And the Oscar goes to Tom Hanks in Philadelphia. And the Oscar goes to Lupita Nyong'o. And the Oscar goes to Halle Berry in Monsters Bay. And the Oscar goes to Hilary Swank in Boys Don't Cry. And the winner is Marvelous Meryl Streep. And the Oscar goes to Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight. And the Oscar goes to Olivia Colman. Welcome back to this week's episode of Academy Queens. I'm Joey Gentili. I'm Brandon Stanwyck. And we are your LGBT guide through the Academy per category per decade. And today we bring you episode 1980, mm -hmm. season two. It's the premiere of season two. Yes, welcome back. How was your break, people? That's the people that don't oh, answer into this. Right. <laughs> we're the only ones we're in the, the room. the only ones. I swear I haven't lost my shit just yet. How you been? Good. Um, see what's going on. So the Cleveland International Film Festival is happening right now. Yes. Of course, when this airs, it'll be long over. But right now, we're recording ahead of time. And it's going on. I've seen five movies at the festival. Not Big fan you. of three of them. Two of them were just okay. I didn't dislike them. They were just fine. Do you want to shout, shout out the ones you liked? Yeah. So I actually, I'm going to be reviewing a couple of them for Filmotomy. Um, mm -hmm. One of them, the one I like the most is this Japanese horror comedy called One Cut of the Dead. Okay. It's a very meta zombie comedy. Uh -huh. It's uh, hard to talk about without giving too much away. I actually had to give, I had to put like a paragraph at the beginning of my review that's like, if you do not like knowing what a movie is about, do not read this. Uh -huh. Because the movie takes a couple very unexpected turns about at, after the end of the first act and after the end of the second act. And it's hilarious and brilliant. And it was definitely the, the best thing I saw at the festival this year. Nice. It's, so, but you said it's zombie. Yeah, it's a zombie comedy. Zombies are like having a resurgence all of a sudden. Yeah. Because this, which I'm hearing about for the first time, um, and then Lupita Nyong'o has one coming out called right. Little Monsters, which is an Australian film. Yeah. And then The Dead Don't Die, which I'm so excited for, which is a Jim Jarmusch film. Right, yeah. And, uh, you know, um, I, I actually tweeted about this the other day on our on our. Uh, I almost said twatter on our Twitter account. Um, it is a full gay rights movie. I mean, mm -hmm. you have Chloe Sevigny, you've got Rosie Perez and Carol Kane in one movie, and the trailer's hilarious. This is the Jarmusch? Yes. Did you see Only Lovers Left Alive? Okay, so I've never seen one of his movies. I loved it. I've, this, I like, now that I'm excited to see this, I need to go and revisit his, or, I'm right. sorry, visit his resume. Um, but I've heard very good things about yeah, the movie. Yeah, it's great. Tilda Swinton and Tom Hiddleston. Oh, yeah, Tilda, Sw Tilda Swinton. I totally forgot to mention her, of course. M Mia Wysokowska, yes. I believe, is also in Only Lovers Left Alive. They mm -hmm. play vampires. Mm -hmm. um, it's really good. See, I liked. I really liked the trailer for that, too, because Tilda... Like, I, I had seen the poster for Only Lovers Left Alive, and she looks exactly like that in mm -hmm. the film, and the long hair is giving me Suspiria vibes. Yeah. And then, like, because I think Tilda Swinton looks really good with long hair. You know, we mm -hmm. all know she keeps it buzz cut um, in real life, but she also is, like, giving me some um, Doctor Strange vibes from mm -hmm. uh, this trailer, and I'm really into it. I can't wait for that one. Yeah. So, but that's good. I'm glad you had a had a good uh, moment at the uh, festival. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, the uh, One Cut of the Dead, that Japanese movie, I really liked. I also saw this movie called Rafiki. It's a movie from Kenya. It's a queer film about two women falling in love oh. in a very conservative community 
in Kenya. Okay. And it takes a dark turn there for a while in the third act because their love is basically forbidden. Yeah. And But it ends on a happy note. Good. And it's a lovely, delightful movie that I'm hoping more people get the chance to see. Nice. Yeah. Where, um, for any of your films where the actors or producers or directors in there for Q&As? Because I know a lot of the time they do actually come to Cleveland yeah, for Yeah, so none of the movies I saw had a Q&A, but okay. uh, Cleveland is a really big uh, festival for that. They're one yeah. of like the top like second tier festivals in the country. Nice. Nice. Because you, know, you got your like Tribeca's and your Tellurides and stuff. Right. And then there's like the next level down, which sounds kind of condescending, but it exists. No. And Cleveland's one of the upper ones in that second tier. So. Gotcha. Um, we had a, a special episode kind of planned as a bonus. Um, I kind of want to touch on something mm-hmm. that we were going to talk about because it's probably not going to be a while until we can do it. Um, pretty much we were having a special guest on who is a former writer uh, for Bloody Disgusting. I can't say who it is right now. Um, but we were going to talk about uh, LGBT and horror right. and horror's relationship then with the Academy. And one of the things that I want to talk, wanted to talk about with you and the other person was Jordan Peele's Us. Right. And I feel like as an opening, we can talk about that because we're probably not going to be able to do the other episode for a while. Right. So without obviously making this an episode all about us, um, I want to kind of get your opinion on it mm-hmm. because by the time this comes out, I mean I'm sure us might already us is going to be available. It's, yeah, yeah. So uh, hashtag spoiler. Um, if you're going further from here, um, jump ahead a minute or two. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't like it. Yeah, you said you didn't care for. I it. I didn't care for it. Um, I don't get the second coming of this film for me like that other people have. For the record, I also didn't like uh, Get Out. Um, right. I couldn't understand why people loved that movie. I think the the social documentary styled nature of the film for what's going on in this country for Get Out was great. I think I respect that. I, I see mm-hmm. where it's coming from. Um, as a horror movie, I didn't know. I don't consider that a horror movie. Um, Us was just a mess, though. Lupita Nyong'o, flawless. Um, cinematography and score, great. Um, Elizabeth Moss, Amazing. By the way, uh, I saw this on Twitter last night. I was kind of upset about it because I, I mentioned it to the guy next to me as soon as this movie was done. I was like, Elizabeth Moss would make, make a great Joker oh, after okay. seeing that movie. Yeah. Like, that was fucking brilliant. But no, I mean, it's just not a good movie. There's too many plot holes. There's, I don't know. There's nothing going on for me in it. What do you think about it? I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also liked Get Out. I don't think they're, I don't think it's messy. I think it's very carefully engineered. Um, I don't think there's plot holes. I think the fact that things are left up for interpretation does not equal a plot hole. Um, I really enjoyed it. I was in it for the whole time. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know everyone's saying she's like the Tony Collette of the year, giving a brilliant performance in a horror film that will probably ultimately get rejected in the end by the Academy. Mm-hmm. But if she did get nominated, uh, of course we don't know what the rest of the year holds nominee-wise. Right. But I think it would be a worthy nomination. I think it's definitely a worthy nomination. Now, I'm curious to... Because uh, this was... I mean, my original text to you was like, oof, this is like, how did this get greenlit? Yeah, you saw Bad. it before me and you yeah. were very disappointed. I was very, very disappointed in it. Um, you said you don't find there to be a plot hole. And now here's my, really. qu- here's my question then for you. Um... One of the biggest issues I had with this film, which was to me was a huge plot hole, 
was obviously where not i mean there was the obvious like okay where did all the suits come from each glove how is, is everyone in the world connected to the tethered like if so like how are they moving at the same time as going up you know the people up and then the tethered but like okay if all they had to do was walk up this escalator why didn't they do this at any other point? Mm -hmm. That's a huge plot hole. Mm -hmm. There's no rhyme or reason as to why they just stayed down there. Especially because in the beginning, um, Ad Adelaide or Lupin? Adelaide. Ad yeah, Adelaide. So is the big twist, which by the way, is not a twist. They showed it in the trailer. I was not surprised by that when they switched. Because in the trailer, there's... It, the movie starts off, you know, with the scene with little Adelaide in the House of Mirrors. Mm -hmm. And you see in the trailer, hands grab her yeah. and her face goes back. Now, in the movie, it cuts before you see the hand. So I was like, great. They switched. I, I, I called it right from the beginning. I'm like, that mm -hmm. is just stupid. That was horrible marketing on their part. So when it actually, the quote unquote, the twist happened, I was like, okay, this is no. Um, but, okay, so if they were able to, if little Adelaide was able to walk up that escalator then and switch... Why the fuck did all the tethered stay below? I don't know. Plot hole. I don't. I don't consider that a plot hole. I think that's just something that's up for interpretation. Of course, I've only seen the movie once. Yeah. But I think the word plot hole thrown around pretty loosely. I'm not sure that it's a plot hole. Mm. Um, I don't have an answer for you right now because it's not something I've really considered, and um, I've only seen the movie once, of course. Yeah. But um, I didn't think. I didn't when I watched the trailer. I didn't see it that way. I just mm. thought she was being choked. Uh, um, but you don't want to talk about it in the trailer. I do. Yeah. I do. Um, I also saw. I was also pretty on board with where the movie was going right away, but at a different point. Because one of the first flashbacks they show is uh, Adelaide in the um, child psychologist's office. You and, can't talk. And yeah. yeah, and then she's like in the side room playing with toys while her parents are talking to the doctors, and the mom says, "I just want my little girl back," and it just clicked with me. I was like, "Oh, that's the wrong girl." Yeah. So. Um, it didn't ruin the movie for me. Mm -hmm. I was, I was watching the movie with that idea in my head. Also thinking, oh, I could be completely wrong, No, but it didn't um, make the movie bad for me. Um, I just have a lot of issues with it, but you know what? It's like, I think you think too much. I, you know, you know how I watch movies though yeah. too. So it's, I can't, I enjoy a lot of movies, but I, there are movies that are like, I'll use an example, like Roma last year when we'll get to Roma in 27 mm -hmm. or in 2018. Um, I can't get on board with it. It's just, you know, some people like it, but I'm you know, some people are very strong on it. And mm -hmm. I will be, you know, I'm not going to be like, oh, why did you hate this movie? You need to hate this movie. You know, let people like what they like and whatever. But, you know, I have my strong opinions on it. Mm -hmm. I'm just, just wondering. Yeah. Do you want to dive in? Sure. All right. So, uh, it's 1980, which means you have supporting. Right. So, the uh, nominees uh, for Best Supporting Actress in 1980 were... Eileen Brennan in Private Benjamin... <laughs> Eva Legallien in Resurrection. Kathy Moriarty in Raging Bull. Diana Starwood in Inside Moves. And Mary Steenburgen in Melvin and Howard. Okay, so let's start with our winner for the year, Mary Steenburgen for Melvin and Howard. This is her first and only nomination, and of course she wins. Going into this Oscar night, she was pretty much the front runner. 
She had won the Golden Globe, the Los Angeles Film Critics Award, the Boston Film Critics Award, the Kansas City Film Critics Award, the National Society of Film Critics, and the New York Film Critics Award. Every award she was nominated for, she won. She didn't lose any of the awards she was nominated for. And in Melvin and Howard, Mary plays Linda. She's married to Melvin, who is a working class guy who's always bouncing around from job to job. He's also not very good with money, which puts pressure on their marriage. And she also has this dream of being a dancer, which Melvin does not take too seriously. So thoughts on Mary Steenburgen in Melvin and Howard. Uh, okay, category fraud, number one. Mm. She's a lead. She's in the entire movie, except for the really long truck scene with Jason Robards and the other dude. Um, so that's number one for me. Um, number two, that I don't think this is a good performance. It's very one note. There's no arch for Linda. There's no... Mar- Mary's not reaching for anything here. It's literally like if a camera was just following someone around and catching their every day. I, I wasn't affected by this performance. Um, I didn't I didn't like the film. I thought the film was very boring. Mm. Um, I'm just not a fan of this. This is this is I, I mean, okay, I didn't want to say this just yet, but as a whole, never mind, I will wait. Um, I don't know. This didn't do anything for me. I didn't like it. Yeah, this was my first time watching this movie, and I did not care for it very much when I first watched it. I liked it a little bit more the more I thought about it, but I'm still not in love with it. I don't think Mary Steen, Bur- is it Bergen or Bergen? Is it hard G? I think it's Bergen. It's a soft G? Okay. So I don't think her performance is one note. Um, she does have a little bit of an arc. She does change as the movie goes on. Mm-hmm. Like I really enjoyed her game show performance where she does her little tap dance and she's obviously not a performer. It's like where her heart is, but she's not very good. She's not trained. Mm-hmm. And she's like throwing her arms around and her feet work, her footwork. I'm not a dancer either, but you can tell that she's not a trained dancer. Uh-huh. But she's living her life and she's dancing her little heart out and she wins this award. And she gets this money and she kind of takes power in the relationship with her husband. And she has this uh, cash that she can do whatever she wants with. And her husband wants to use it this way. And she's like, no. So you do kind of get a change in her over time. Mm -hmm. I did not think Category Fraud when I watched it. Um, I think there's definitely an argument for it there. But I'm okay with her being in supporting. It wasn't a glaring thing to me at the time. Mm -hmm. Um... I enjoy her and I like the scene in the, the strip. She's like in a strip club or she's a go-go dancer. Yeah. Because that's how she's like, she's found a way to dance in this sort of community that doesn't really have many opportunities. Yeah. And her husband comes in and causes a scene and I believe she's fired. Like the scene caused her to get fired. Yeah. And she just like takes off her garments and she's just like buck naked and just like walks through just owning the room with her nakedness. I was like with her on that. I was like, you go, Mary. <laughs> um, so I really enjoyed that. So I don't think it's a one-note performance. I think she's finding a lot of opportunities in it. I don't. The, she's not the focus of the movie. Like, there's two named characters in the title, and one of the named characters is only in like the first 15 minutes. Right. Which Robards got a nomination. Yeah, for this he was too. nominated for supporting actor. Yeah. He's mostly only in the first 15 minutes. Then he has like a little flashback at one point. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he's and he of course has an influence on the movie because he leaves his money to right. Melvin. So he's definitely an important figure, even though he's only in a very small fraction of the film overall. Um, So yeah, I like Mary in it. I'm glad she got a nomination. Um, Yeah, I wasn't wowed by it. 
It, it's funny because like I'm I'm thinking back to when we talked about Cicely Tyson and Sounder. Sure. And I I feel like th- we're reversed on this one though this time because you were like oh she's more supporting and I'm mm-hmm. like I don't see it and now I'm like oh sure M- Mary's the lead I mean she's not the lead but she is a lead and mm-hmm. we're definitely reversed and I love that it I is, like uh, how we're very different that, on that. Now that you mentioned Sounder as comparison, it is a very, it is kind of a similar. Um, not dynamic but it's a similar character usage in the movie because she's in about as much of the movie as I guess Cicely Tyson would be and there's another character who drives the movie and yeah that's a very interesting comparison yeah I just like seeing other Steen I'm just gonna say Mary seeing other Mary performances that's what I've been doing right (laughs) seeing other Mary performances throughout the years like I thought she was a great or a great I thought she was great in like Step Brothers like Mm. that was a great comedic performance that should have had at least a nomination Mm -hmm. um this just doesn't do it for me i this is a head scratcher one for me this is definitely one where i'm like the academy really got it wrong here well the academy and basically every other ceremony because she was like the the darling of the year minority here on this one i know like i don't dislike her in this i'm happy for her but um i i didn't the movie didn't end with me going, wow, Mary did that. Okay, you know what? I'm just going to say it now because we're going to talk about it anyway. This is a very weak supporting lineup as a whole. I agree. So the, so Mary winning this is really the best of the week, in my opinion. Yeah, there's probably... Let me be sound, let me sound a little harsh. No, I had the same thought that this, this lineup, this supporting lineup is not particularly strong. We've no. had years where like every single nominee could have been the winner and yeah. I, and we both would have been fine with it. Yeah. This is a year where I'm kind of like eh, on most of these nominations. There's yeah, I almost gave something away. But no, the, yeah, the, I'm I'm I yeah, this is not a very good year for supporting lineup. So, in my eyes she won as like best of the worst almost. Mm, sure. And that sounds harsh, but I yeah. see, I I hear what you mean. Yeah. And I think people people who've probably seen all these nominees I'm guessing we're likely to agree. Yeah. But um, yeah, she's she's fine in the movie. Um, she makes it work, but um, it's not like anything to write home about. Yeah. Oh, well, I so, got nothing else on her. Okay, well, so for now. right, uh, moving on to Eileen Brennan, nominated for Private Benjamin. This is her first and only nomination. And going into this Oscar night, she had no precursors. She was nominated nowhere else. But for what it's worth, she would go on to get two Golden Globe nominations for this character because Private Benjamin was made into a very short-lived TV show, Mm -hmm. and she reprised her role and would get nominations for the show, but not for the movie. Mm -hmm. In Private Benjamin, she plays Captain Doreen Lewis, the squad leader who antagonizes the Goldie Hawn character, Judy Benjamin, throughout Judy's six weeks of basic training. Captain Lewis does not think that Judy belongs there, so she tries to drive Judy away with every chance she gets. Mm-hmm. Um, thoughts on Eileen Brennan and Private Benjamin? I kind of want to answer this in like the same way I'm going to answer for Eva Legallion because we have two in the same movie here. Yeah. And I don't want to talk about all everything at once, so I'm going to focus on the supporting for their role particular. Okay. And then when we, I don't know how you feel, but then when I when we get to lead, like I want to focus it on with the lead and then as a whole. Yeah, Does sure. That, okay. that makes sense. Okay. So. Um, I think Ellen Burstyn, Jesus. I think Eileen Brennan is the best thing about Private Benjamin. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 she's really the only character that I care about, but she made me care about her because she's just so funny. Yeah. Um, this isn't like, uh, and I've I've used this 
example for this isn't like a ha ha funny movie mm-hmm. but when she's in it it's a ha ha funny movie yeah um and yeah i like her i i think you know i think her character is such a hot mess in her own right compared to goldie hawn's character and i mean honestly like she like i said she's my favorite thing about the movie mm-hmm. um I, my only complaint is kind of the usual that we'll throw out here was I just wanted more of her because she was my favorite. Um, but I have nothing really bad to say about this one. I'm glad that Eileen Brennan got some like a nomination somewhere. Yeah. Um, it's I, a crime that she only has this one nomination. Yeah. And unfortunately, right after this, she had a huge accident that really kind of fucked up her film career. She oh, got really? hit by a car. Oh, I didn't you know never that. heard about this? I don't think so. So she was in, I believe, Santa Monica having dinner with Goldie Hawn and they said goodbye and went to go across the street. And so she like got, after the movie. Right after the movie came out. Uh, actually, right after the Oscars ceremony. Okay. And they got together and um, had dinner, and she got hit by a car. It was a hit and run. And oh, she wow. shattered, like, her whole body. Wow. So if you look at her filmography, she only has, like, one project in between this and Clue, which, shout out, she totally should have got a nomination for Clue. Yeah. And um, it is a cameo playing Carol Kane's mom in this parody horror film called... Um, oh, I'll think about it later. Um, but, yeah, it's really sad. Yeah. Her personal life became really sad. Mm-hmm. She's also my favorite thing about this movie. So uh, this was my second time watching it. I had seen it years Same. and years ago. Same. Like, I think I was in, I was like a child, and it was on TV. Mm-hmm. And I think I it was on like AMC or TBS or something like that. And I, I had known her from Clue, because mm-hmm. my family loved Clue growing up. Mm-hmm. And... So going back to revisit this movie, she was the only thing I really remembered. Like, I, I of course, knew... I remember Goldie Hawn being in it. I knew the basic premise, but I couldn't remember anything specific other than her performance, Eileen Brennan's. Mm-hmm. And she's hilarious. I also want more of her. Um, I think she's a great villain. I guess you can call her a villain. Because mm-hmm. she is, like, the thing that's the obstacle that is preventing Goldie Hawn from winning, so yeah. to speak. Because she joins the military sort of under silly pretenses and then she almost quits at one point yeah her family almost convinces her and then captain lewis is right there like yes quit because you suck and i want you to leave and that's when she has the moment like no fuck all of you i can do it yeah and then you know captain lewis continues to torment her throughout the most of the rest of the movie so i think it's a great performance i'm so glad she was nominated it's awful that this is her only nomination yeah um yeah go eileen brennan and i love too how she did the whole big fat liar thing in this before the blue ink. Yeah, the blue yeah. ink before big fat liar. I forgot all about that. I did too, and you know what? It was so funny because I forgot that she also ends up in Paris. Oh right. Yeah, when her her like her exit of the movie is really random too, because she like meets uh, oh, the woman. Sally Kirkland yeah. in in the hallway, and then you never see her again. I didn't. Was it? I didn't know. I was reading into it. Were they? Was it implied that they were? together or are they just colleagues i think they're just colleagues okay because there was a she moment, does give me big dyke vibes because there, well, there was a moment where i was like wait a minute yeah was, was that a detail that i never really realized or am i just reading way too you might also this? too be reading a little into this love you but the truth because remember to there's that where she's trying to or she is with craig t nelson at a certain point yes so you might that's true but she does give big dick big big dick big dyke vibes in this i mean she could have found herself later yeah. on she could be bisexual we don't know we don't know oh i mean yeah it's sad so all right moving on yes. to 
I'm not sure how to say it. The re Resurrection, Eva La... Eva La Gallienne. Yes. So she was nominated for Resurrection. This uh -huh. is her first and only nomination. She had one pre one win going into this, and that was the National Board of Review. Mm -hmm. She was also nominated at the New York Film Critics Circle. And I don't think we've ever been able to give this precursor before. But she was nominated at the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Awards. Oh, it's the first one, yeah. Yeah, I don't think we've had that yet. So in Resurrection, she plays Grandma Pearl. After her granddaughter, Edna May, played by um, Ellen Burstyn, uh, briefly dies in a car wreck, she is brought back to life and goes to live with her extended family. And Grandma Pearl, soon after, becomes convinced that Edna May's time spent in the afterlife has blessed her with healing powers. And um, she thinks that Edna May can heal people by touch. And mm -hmm. it turns out, as the movie goes on, that there's probably some truth to that. Yeah. So, thoughts on Eva? I really like this performance. Um, I So, remember how in... Let's go back 10 years when we talked about in our pilot episode Helen Hayes, right? Sure. So Helen Hayes is known as the first lady of American theater. Yeah. If there was a second lady of American theater, it's Eva Legallian. Hmm. Um, great stage actress who was also an out lesbian. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. She was an out lesbian. Um, and her her girlfriend of like 40 years or something uh, was with her the night of the Oscars, but she didn't show up. Like they were together mm. and yada, yada. Anyway. Um, where am I going? Oh, Resurrection. So, yeah, I really like this. I think it's a very touching performance. Um, it's heartbreaking at the end uh, when she realizes her, that she's never going to see her granddaughter again. Mm. And there's that, I'll see you on the other, other side comment. And I remember, like, I was bawling the first time I saw that. I was like, Grandma Pearl! Ah! And, like, uh -huh. re-watching it for this, too, I'm still like, Grandma Pearl! Ah! And... Like, I don't know. I really like it. Um, I, I, this is another, like, oh my God, I can't believe this is her only nomination type right. film. But it, I mean, she hasn't had, um, she hasn't had, she didn't really have a big film career though. Mm -hmm. She was so, a big theater person. I yeah. Think. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I did read this was her final performance. So she kind of went out with her nomination and she's like Eileen Brennan, she is my favorite thing about this movie. I wasn't a huge fan of Resurrection. It's just not really my type of movie. Mm -hmm. It was a little bit too sentimental, I think, for me. And yep. a little bit too, like, TV movie of the week in the way that it's sort of executed. Mm -hmm. But I really liked her performance. Uh, it feels very sincere. Um, it seems very lived in, in a way. Like, I believed that she was this Grandma Pearl character. Yeah. Um, I totally bought her relationship with Ellen Burstyn. Mm -hmm. um, that she, because Ellen Burstyn returns to the home and she hasn't been there for like years, I think. Yeah. It's been a long time because she doesn't really relate to the, the, these family members anymore. And so, like you were saying at the end, when it's the last time they're going to see each other, you also really feel that. Mm -hmm. Because perhaps Grandma Pearl at a certain point in her life thought she was never seeing Edna May again. Right. Because she was gone for so long and she had no real reason to come back. But then this tragic event happens where Edna's husband dies. They go off a cliff, I think. Yeah. Like, their car, like, straight up drives off a cliff. and Just bought this new car. Yeah, and yeah. crashes. Yeah. And she's somehow brought back to life. She has these powers that Grandma Pearl picks up on. And the movie sort of goes off from there. But, yeah, you really feel everything that Grandma Pearl's feeling throughout the movie, especially in those key moments with Edna May. See, I like... I love Resurrection. I, I definitely, with what you said, like it a lot more than you do. Um, like, I... As a film, first of all, it's not easy to find. Yeah. This is a film that um, is brought back from the Universal Vault like every 15 years, and they only make so many copies. Um, 
but I, I love the idea. I'm not a big religious person, so like right. the God aspect is interesting. But I was reading when they originally pitched this to Alan Burstyn, it was a horror film. Yeah, it and, was like soon after The Exorcist, I think. Yes, and they're like, she's like, no, rework the script. Like she was a total boss bitch on this, mm-hmm. and this is what they came up with. So I like the film um, a lot more than you do. That I'm picking up on here. But I'm also very curious on what the take would have been as a horror film. Right. Like, I'm just imagining kind of like a mix, mixture of, what is it, Possession with Isabella Johnny and, like, The Conjuring. Or something like, goes wrong with yeah. her healing powers and you know, something really bad happens. Yeah. I don't know, maybe she becomes overwhelmed by something. Yeah. I don't know. But, yeah, I, I like I like Eva Legalian in this. Yeah, I think she's doing a really good job. She was uh, probably my favorite thing about the movie. I Like, I wasn't a huge fan of it. Yeah. But I, but she was the thing that like was that stuck out in my mind when it was over. Same, same. Yeah. So moving on to Kathy Moriarty yes. for Raging Bull. This is her first and only nomination, and she didn't really win anything going into this. She was nominated for two Golden Globes though: one for supporting actress and one for new star of the year. And she was also nominated at the National Society of Film Critics. And she would go on to be nominated for a BAFTA a couple years later. So it took a minute for it to get over to England. And in Raging Bull, Kathy Moriarty plays Vicky LaMotta, the wife of Jake LaMotta, played by Robert De Niro. She's 15 years old when Jake first meets her at a public swimming pool, and he pursues a relationship with her, even though he's already married. Eventually, Jake and Vicky do get married, and he's constantly paranoid that she's cheating on him, and he cannot handle it. So thoughts on Kathy Moriarty and Raging Bull? So this is very fresh in my mind as I just watched this two hours ago. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I've seen it before, but I, I wanted to rewatch it. And I just didn't have the time up until literally today. Sure. Um, I like Kathy Moriarty in this. I, I like Kathy Moriarty a lot in this. Mm-hmm. However, she isn't. she doesn't have anything to do in this. She's nothing but really like a background actor in this and LaMotta's punching bag. Um, until she punches back. Until she punches back, right. Which is a really fun moment. Yeah, but the that's the thing she's only got, and they're not even like big moments, and I always talk all the time, like I'm not going to even ask her to someone for like a big moment. For sure. Most of the time it's like the performance as a whole. Um, but even in her two big moments, she really doesn't have anything. It's the her last scene at the end where she's in the car, and she's like, I finally had your shit. And then it's the scene that she fights back and... Go when De Niro goes to Pesci's house and beats the shit out of him. When he like breaks, she goes into the bathroom and locks the door and he right, like but kicks even, it down. But even then, what is she doing? Like she's like, get out of here! No, get like that. That's all she's doing. And and I want to love this more, but I'm having a hard time with it because I'm like, she's so talented and I can see the nomination, but at the same time, I'm like, I see why she didn't win, mm-hmm. and I'm like tossing with what to do with this here. I think. I think she's working with not very much script-wise. Yeah. So a sort of a running thing throughout most of Martin Scorsese's career is his female characters deserve a lot better. Yeah. Not just in terms of the way their character they're treated as characters, yeah. but on the page. Like with the exception of Alice doesn't live here anymore, there aren't very many strong female characters. I'll give Wolf of Wall Street though with Margot. Margot Robbie. Sure, that so there's in that. So there's Margot Robbie and there's Sharon Stone in Casino, and I feel like those are just actresses who are very good and are turning something 
turning something from nothing. I don't know. That doesn't really make any sense. But no, you, I get, you get it. what I mean. I get it. But um, yeah, Kathy Moriarty is just another example of a female character who really just deserves better. Yeah. Um, she has a presence throughout the entire movie. So that's yes, that's the word presence. Yeah. So and I think that's that's more Kathy. That's not so much Scorsese or Paul Schrader who wrote this. I think. Yeah. Um, she kind of has this sort of old Hollywood femme fatale vibe for a lot of it. Like, early on when she's supposed to be 15, I don't buy that she's 15. Well, she was 19 when they found I it. know. Like, yeah. I looked that up and I was like, Kathy Moriarty's like 28. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, wow, she's not much older than she's supposed to be. But for some reason, she just seems like this statuesque 1940s femme fatale. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. But, um, yeah, for, there for the longest time, she's kind of just like this very feminine presence and i think she benefits from that when it comes to the awards like i think she benefits from being the female character in the movie uh-huh. and i do really like what she does sort of bite back at the end when he knocks down the um bathroom door and she smacks him around a little bit and he accuses her of cheating and she has like that line where she's like i fucked this whole neighborhood and she's being sarcastic like she's not being serious but he can't comprehend that in his the cock is bigger than yours right and then and then he storms out to go fuck up Joe Pesci and she's like following him down the sidewalk after he just roughed her up yeah. and she's like beating his back and she's like fuck you yeah. and all this stuff making a huge scene out in public and I was with her for that I was like yeah fuck him because right. I was also reading that um, so Jake LaMotta and Vicky LaMotta were alive when this movie came out yeah. and they saw it and apparently Jake LaMotta asked Vicky if he was really that bad and she was like no you were worse like, that's what I read she told him. Yeah. And so, my heart goes out to her, the real life Vicky. Yeah. And also, I think Kathy's doing a really good job of working with, um, I don't want to say she's, I know I've said she's working with nothing, but I think she's got more than that. But I think she, she's doing most of the work when it comes to the structure of this narrative. Yeah, I want to clarify. I don't hate her in this. Sure. I, I really like her in this. I think I hate that I just... I I want her to have more to do. Yeah. Does that make... Am I making sense there? Yeah, I think that... I, I think that's a running thing with Scorsese. Of course, we're right. going to get Lorraine Bracco here in a few years, mm-hmm. and there's going to be Sharon Stone, and yeah. Margot Robbie doesn't get nominated, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, he seems to have these really good supporting characters who could have been... Barbara Hershey got fucked for The Last Temptation of Christ in the, in the Yeah, movies, so like... So. With the exception of Alice doesn't live here anymore, he's Martin Scorsese doesn't seem very interested in telling women's stories. Even in that, he didn't seem very interested. Yeah, and even when he has these great actresses like Kathy, Lorraine, Sharon... Ellen Burstyn. Yeah, yeah, it seems like they're doing the majority of the effort. Yeah. And they're benefiting from being the female. Well, it's interesting because he's got the Irishman coming up and Anna Paquin is his female lead. Oh, really? I didn't know she was in that. Yeah. So I'm going to be intrigued to see how Paquin works with him on this one. And she's the lead character? She's the female lead. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, All I know is that her character's name is Peggy. Okay. So um, I I want to... Two things with this one before we move on really quick. Number one, you had mentioned something that I totally took note of, which was Moriarty feels like this... 40s film noir. Yeah. Imagine if they had made, with Kathy at that time, Mildred Pierce and her mm. as Vita, the daughter. Oh, interesting. Right. She does kind of have a vaguely Joan Crawford look. Yes, but, oh, but as her daughter, though. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I can see a resemblance. And then, um, so, my, well, I know this is going to be a weird dream, but one of my dreams is to be in a huge bar fight with Black Betty in the background. The song? The Black, song okay. Black Betty going, I just... 
watch the Baytown Outlaws. If you've uh-huh. never seen it, you'll get by. Okay. Um, but I have been in a fight, like, not, not I shouldn't say fight, like a couple punches thrown in a bar once. And I actually had a um, Raging Bull moment where someone had said mm-hmm. to me, uh, you hit like you take it up the ass. And I said, I fucking do. Bam. Oh, wow. Popped him in the face. Sorry, that might have been a really loud bam. Um, but yeah, so I've ha- I've literally had that moment happen to me in my in right. my life before. By, insult, Verbatim. Yeah, and like by the way, insults like that don't make any sense because right. you have to be a tough person to take it up the ass in a way. Hundred percent. I mean, most people who say that have never done it, and there's a reason. Yeah. So there you go. Um, All right. <laughs> so I also read an interesting thing about this character. Jodie Foster really lobbied to get this role. Really? She really wanted to work with Martin Scorsese and Robert De Niro again. Yeah. And the producers and Scorsese didn't buy her in it because physically she's, you know, doesn't have the Kathy Moriarty presence. Yeah. And, but she really, but she really wanted it. And she had like boudoir photos taken or something, which eventually leaked apparently because she was trying to sell the studio that yeah. she could be this sort of bombshell character. You but, would think after one, at least a nomination that is still fresh, they would like consider you. Yeah. And she was only... She was roughly the same age. Yeah. I mean, because they picked Kathy Moriarty out of obscurity for this. I mean, this right, is her first, first role. Um, side note, um, turns out I've been married since 1999 oh, because really? Kathy Moriarty's husband name is Joseph Gentile. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah. So, turns out that I need some tax breaks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I guess I'm married to a woman. Oh, so yeah. That, well, that's news. That's news. Yeah. Um, so the, the only like m- weird like trivia thing that I stumbled upon while looking up Kathy Moriarty is she was apparently fighting off bees constantly throughout this movie because the hair product that they used for her had contained corn syrup and apparently bees love that. And so she was constantly under attack by bees. So if for anything <laughs> else, she got an Oscar nomination for beating bees listen i as someone with long hair i always look at movies and i'm like why is their hair like in perfect place and that makes sense yeah there was not there was not a fucking fly away for miles Mm -hmm. it's jealous but a good thing i'm not using corn soap in my hair because fuck that Uh so anything else on kathy no no okay so moving on to our fifth and final supporting actress diana scarwood for inside moves this is her first and only nomination, and she didn't get any precursors going into this, and she was the only... Her Oscar nomination is the only thing this movie was nominated for. The movie did not receive a single nomination anywhere in any category except for Best Supporting Actress at the Academy Awards for Diana Scarwood. Show me how that campaign went. I have no idea, but she plays Louise, a barmaid who becomes the love interest uh, to Rory, played by John Savage, and that's pretty much her entire character. Um, shade. So, thoughts on Diana Scarwood as Louise? So, that has been Diana Scarwood. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, okay. So, here's the thing. <sighs> okay, so here's the thing for real. Um, I don't hate this, but I don't love it. I don't think she's actively bad, but I don't see the Academy Award. I see, I do. Oh, really? Okay, so this is the second time that I've seen this, and I and I okay. remember I saw this a couple years ago, and yeah. I was like, "What the fuck?" And this was is my, this? and this was my only time seeing it. So the maybe, movie's awful. Yeah, it's a bad movie. It's it's a sports movie. It's and not it's, even a good one. Yeah, it's just not. It makes good. no sense. It's it's just it's this it's story all would place. never happen. So if never. You, so if you've never seen Inside Moves, and you should keep it that way. Yes. 
Just take right. our word for it. Yes. Yeah. So David Morse plays a bartender who has a leg injury, and he has this dream of playing for the Golden State Warriors. They're in like the Bay Area, and he eventually gets his leg fixed. And he apparently just plays. He just shoots hoops with this one Golden State Warrior player. He just like goes into the stadium. Yeah. He just walks in, and he just shoots hoops, and he becomes friends with these people and he gets his leg fixed and then somehow he ends up playing for the Warriors with no as far as I'm aware real training in and there's a heroin addict and there's like a guy who commits suicide but he doesn't die right that's how like, the movie opens so this Rory yeah. character who Louise ends up with he the movie opens with him jumping off a building from very high up yeah and he somehow survives it's the tree the tree oh right the tree breaks his fall, fall and then he falls onto a car but still that was very high up yeah like, and he's also falling for a while yeah like it goes on for a few seconds and yeah, he survives and he goes to this bar where everyone in this bar is um, differently abled, let's say. Yeah. So there's a, a person with who can't see. There's a person who doesn't have hands, who I believe was the gentleman from Best Years of Our Lives. Yes, he won the Oscar. Yeah, he won. This was supposed to be his big comeback return. Yeah, so he won. I think he won two Oscars that year. I think he won Best Supporting Actor and then like a special Oscar. And he sold his Oscar. He's the reason why you can't, you have to sign a contract now when you win your Oscar. Yeah. Because he sold it to pay bills. And that's a great movie, by the way. If you haven't seen Best Years of Our Lives. I've never seen it. It's so good. Um, one of my favorite war movies. Um, and I don't like very many of them. Um, so yeah, she plays uh, the love interest of this fellow who goes to this bar and becomes friends with these people who are, are also going through some physical challenges. Yeah. Um, so I saw this for the first time maybe five or six years ago, and I was like, this is a horrible nomination. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, that's where uh, I am right now. <laughs> but revisiting it, I also knew where she was, so I skipped sure. over everything and just okay. watched her scenes. And honestly, like, when you meet her, she's background. Yeah. She doesn't have... She's kind of like um, Amy Irving and Yentl a little bit, because mm. when she's introduced, she doesn't have anything to say. You don't realize she's going to become a, right. a figure in this story. And then, like, she doesn't have anything to say, really, until this haircut scene that she's in, and she's terrible at this scene. Oh, yeah. But then, I, like, realized where her nominations came in, and it's the the part where John Savage wants to be her lover at the, at the apartment. And that, she's really good in. I do like... So I do like her in that scene. I just... Don't see it as an Oscar. I literally said it earlier too with Steam, with Mary. Yeah. <laughs> Mary Steenburgen, Bergen, whatever. Um, where I was like, I don't, I wouldn't give someone a win for a scene. And I know I'm kind of contradicting myself here, but like, she's really good in this one scene. But I don't know if that one scene makes right. up for the rest of the performance. Like she's very sincere. Yes. And she's not doing a, she's not doing a bad job. I mean, she's selling yeah. that scene. Yeah. I just, I don't know if it was a particularly weak year for supporting actresses in 1980. Just in film, not at the, not in this lineup. Just in film. <laughs> this look that I'm giving you is like, bitch. We just talked about. No, that. I know we've talked about this lineup. I just mean in terms of what was being put out in the. 80s. Honestly, the 1980 was a horrible year, like yeah. as for film in general. That's just me, though. Yeah, it's not a very great year. It's not good. But um, not a way to start the decade. Yeah. So yeah, I don't I don't really see it. I don't think she's bad. I'm just like, oh, I'm happy that you got a nomination. Yeah. But. I mean, this. I mean, this is our. This is literally we're going to be rewarding kind of the best of the worst. So, mm. I like it, but I. I don't know if that I like it just because of like. It feels like a standard as, performance as a whole. Like it's not. Also, great. this movie is really dragging her down. Yeah, this is a movie that feels like an after school special. Yeah, like, this, this movie should, is this, hard. To this get would have been fine. This would make a great remake for a lifetime. Mm. Inside moves. It'd be an interesting movie to see 
being made now. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with how PC everything is, there's a lot you couldn't do in that movie. Mm-hmm. By the way, the um the black guy in the movie, the older one, yeah, is the cop from Clue. Oh, is it really? Yeah, in the bar. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I was like, why do I know him? And I'm like, looking through his, oh my god, and it's awful. His IMDb photo, his photo for his own IMDb page is someone else with half of his face in the background. Oh, that's awkward. I'm like, that's, oof. Oh, That's no. mean. So it took me a second on IMDb to find him. And I'm like, oh my god, it's the Clue Cop. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, interesting. So yeah. that's two Clue connections at this year. Two Clue connections, yeah. All right. So uh, moving on moving to leads. Moving on to leads. Your lead actresses of 1980 were? For her performance as a woman who used a power she herself hardly understood to bring he- healing and health to an unhappy Midwestern town, Miss Ellen Burstyn for Resurrection. <laughs> and for her performance as a woman who grows from naivete to strength, and survives no less an adversary than the United States Army, Miss Goldie Hawn as Private Benjamin. For her role as a mother unable and unwilling to bend her own self-imposed restrictions on the meaning of love and life, Miss Mary Tyler Moore in Ordinary People. for her performance as a world-hardened woman who finds unexpected humanity within herself during a desperate effort to save a child's life, and in so doing saves her own, Miss, Miss Gina Rollins in Gloria. And for her portrayal of a woman who conquered ignorance and poverty to become the synonym for the world she now represents, Miss Sissy Spacek in Coal Miner's Daughter. All right, starting us off is Goldie Hawn as Judy Benjamin in Private Benjamin. This is her second of two nominations, which I'm really excited that we're talking about Goldie Hawn mm-hmm. because we didn't, we didn't start with 1969, right. so we didn't talk about Cactus Flower. Um, going into Oscar night, she had three nominations, um, Golden Globe for Comedy or Musical Lead Actress, the... Uh, National Society of Film Critics nomination for actress, and the New York Film Critics Association for actress. Um, in uh, Private Benjamin, Judy or Goldie Hawn plays Judy, who dies or who whose husband dies while having uh, sex with her on her on their honeymoon. Albert Brooks. Albert Brooks. Yeah. Um, and she is kind of like a rich, white, spoiled woman, and mm-hmm. kind of in a way gets tricked to join the army. And she does, and it's not the private bungalows that she was offered, eventually causing a bunch of um, a bunch of uh, riffraff. But then she proves everyone wrong, and she becomes a strong, independent woman who don't need no man. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think about Goldie Hawn in Private Benjamin? I really like her in Private Benjamin. I also just really enjoy this movie. Mm-hmm. It kind of takes a strange turn in the final act that sort of turns me off in a weird way for some reason i felt disengaged with the final act of the movie yeah but i like her a lot in this um i know she was um she's a big reason for why this movie exists i think she had a she was going through a phase where she wasn't getting roles she was interested in roles that were kind of beneath her yeah and i think she and nancy myers sort of put this together where she was trying to create a, a role that would um showcase her talents and also be a good role for a strong lead woman mm-hmm and um, I think they succeeded for the most part. Um, I think she's really funny in it. I think she's really 
endearing. Um, I don't know why. Why are you laughing at me? Because I'm thinking about a scene. I'm gonna bring it up. Keep talking. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. See, I, she, she kind of had that um, Ellen Burstyn thing in the '70s where she was fed up with Hollywood, and yeah. and now like Reese Witherspoon is doing a similar thing where she's. It comes in cycles for certain yeah. actresses. Yeah, and it's always really exciting when that happens because you get movies like Private Benjamin where we have two really great female characters played by two really great female performers. Yeah. And um, I like it. I, like I said, I, at the, the last like, 20, 30 minutes... They're very odd. The, it, the Paris section of this movie yeah, is Yeah, it kind odd. of... The whole the love... I could, I could have lived without the love interest. The, when that... Pe- Parisian guy comes in and she like falls in love and I was like I seems like they didn't know where this. to go with the script yeah I, most movies could live without the love interest I yeah. feel like it was a script thing that someone some studio exec was like oh you need a love interest yeah and they just kind of shoehorned it in and I really wish it had just been like her and Captain Lewis agreed it, I, I've you, never you, seen the show either so I'm kind of I've never seen the show find it yeah I think it was only on for like two seasons yeah but uh, Eileen Brennan's in it uh, Goldie Hawn did not um continue on with the show yeah but um yeah i'm a i'm a fan of the movie for the most part i'm glad goldie hawn made it i'm glad she got her nomination uh how do you feel so i don't like the movie okay um the movie the movie itself feels like a lifetime movie to me Mm. um it feels like this was would have been perfect for tv but Go- and Goldie Hawn, I don't think is great in this. But I'm laughing because she has three moments that are hilarious to me, mm-hmm. and this is a moment nomination in my opinion. Number one, at the funeral, where the mom of Albert Brooks is with the brothers, and she's like, "What were his last words?" Oh, and she yeah. goes, "I'm coming." And the brothers like look at that, like, first of all, if your last words are "I'm coming," good for you. Um, like the way that moment there is great her acting there is brilliant the other moment is where she tries to escape and she's stuck in the barbed wire and Eileen Brennan's like Benjamin you don't deserve to wear those Mm -hmm. colors and the way she responds she goes no shit (laughs) like hilarious that moment perfect delivery perfect delivery and I'm so upset right now because the third one is really it just lost me Oh, oh, the moment, and great for this being called out in 1980, where she calls out the captain for rape and sexual assault. Like, because I watched this and I'm like, how the fuck did Goldie Hawn, now mind you, I rewatched this and I forgot about this moment. Mm -hmm. So when that was happening in the airplane where he tries to rape her, I was like, how the fuck did Goldie Hawn sign on to this and think this was like cool? And then like the next scene's like, oh, you mean rape? I was like, yes, bitch, you get it. So like those three moments, great. Um, again, I, I kind of am with you, like the whole Parisian aspect, the last part of the movie didn't work for me. If it would have been more of just like Goldie and basic with, yeah with, uh, Eileen Brennan, I'm here for it. But this is... Because the first like two acts of the movie are pretty well structured. Right. And you get a really great build with the Judy character. Like she does a complete 180. Judy yeah. at the end of the movie is not Judy at the beginning. And the movie is very careful about making that believable. Yeah. But then the the third act romance just completely throws this movie off course for me. Um, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I This isn't a very Oscar-type movie, which I appreciate. You wouldn't think it would right. be. Right, especially like, today. I don't think they would do yeah. something today. Which I like. I like those that are like, oh, this isn't an Oscar movie. But I will say it's very odd to me that Dolly Hall only has two nominations. One is a win. Especially when she did a movie like this and then did... 10 or 11 years on the line, Death Becomes Her, and didn't oh, get shit. Her, yeah. 
She right. also could have been nominated for First Wives Club. I think. Oh, yeah. She's great in that. I'm an actress. I have... Oh, wait. Oh, wait. I'm a, I have feelings. I'm an actress. I have all, all of them. Feelings. <laughs> oh, such a good moment. Yeah. Anything well, else you want to add? Um, I don't think so. Not yet. All right. Our second lady up uh, for lead that year is Jenna Rollins as Gloria Swenson in Gloria. This is her second of two nominations, and going into this, all she had was a Golden Globe nomination for drama. Mm. Um, Gloria is a John Cassavetes film, a very different type of Cassavetes film, uh, where Jenna plays a no-holds-bar, tight-ass New York woman. Mm -hmm. And she kind of gets straddled with this child due to her neighbor, like, taking money from the mob. And the mob comes and kills um, the family, and she's left with this kid to keep alive. But somehow has all these mob connects. Uh, I'm just kind of going to lead in with this one. The movie is a mess. I feel like I missed something somewhere, and this was not the first time that I watched this. Because she knows all these mob people, and she's like somehow with this bitch ass puny gun getting through all these mob guys and shooting them up and running in heels, which I've done, which is not easy throughout New York. The performance is great, but the movie is really bad. The movie starts off really strong and then it just like goes all over the place. And that little fucking kid, I swear, I swear to God. Would have been nominated for an Oscar had this come out in the 70s. I thought that too. I was like, if this had came out in the 70s, he so would have been nominated. He got a Razzie nomination. Oh, really? Yeah. He does have a very interesting delivery. I just like, where's my pie? Take a walk. (laughs) Like, all right, kid. The balls on that kid to talk to Jenna Rollins that way. But yeah, um, what are your thoughts on this? Um... I like Jenna Rollins a lot in general. I also enjoy her in this movie. I think the movie, it's a very unusual Cassavetes movie. Yeah. Um, it is a little bit haphazard at times, mm-hmm. but I enjoyed it. Jenna Rollins is a badass. It doesn't always make sense. Like you were saying, like she has that scene where they're out on the street and she pulls out her gun and shoots like, there's a car full of like four or five mob guys yeah. and she just whips out her gun and just shoots like most of them. And then they, the driver who has been shot like drives off and then passes out and the car like flips and does yeah. like this ridiculous thing in the middle of broad daylight on the street. Yeah. And then she and the kid just like walk away. And then she has the scene later on and they're they're in the restaurant and there's the guy there's other guys at a table nearby who are watching them and she just like walks up to them and pulls out her gun and then hands out her purse and she's like put your guns in the purse and this is a full restaurant and no one like knows what to do mm-hmm. and it's so ridiculous. Like that, I don't know. It's I just went with it. And Jenna yeah. Rollins is just she's committed to this character, I think, and I was with her. I really like her in this performance. Yeah. I just think the movie is a mess. I yeah. but you also have to think too. This came out in nineteen eighty. Between nineteen eighty, sure. but it was shot in seventy nine. Sure. So between nineteen eighty and nineteen eighty one was the most one of actually probably the most corrupt and deadliest time to be a New Yorker. Oh really? Oh yeah, it was. Horrible. And I love that Cassavetti showed the grittiness of New York because I love me and gritty New York. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very Sydney Lumet. Yes. Man. Yes. It, it, it oh, feels. Sydney Lum- he did remake this movie in the 90s with, with Sharon, Sharon Stone, Stone, and it was a bomb. I didn't even realize that when I made the Cassavet- or the Sydney Lumet reference. Yes, but I, I was going to say Serpico. You heard that his- realization in real time. Yes, you did. And he's smiling ear to ear right now. <laughs> um, it, it feels like Serpico almost, and I'm oh, here yeah. for it. My brother just watched Serpico in one of his law classes. Do you like it? He didn't tell me if 
he texted me before they watched it. He like texted me. He was like, "Have you ever seen this movie called Serpico? Like it's some obscure movie." And I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> no. What do you mean? Tell like, me all about it. Like, he's in law school. He's in some like corruption or ethics class. And I guess they watched Serpico. I will say, um, side note, Serpico is my favorite Pacino performance of all time. Mm-hmm. It's up there. It yeah. is my favorite. Yeah. But we're talking about general. Yes. So, um, do you have anything else you want to add about it? Um, I like her a lot in this movie. This movie's kind of bananas. Mm-hmm. Very out of the box Cassavetes, but she plays a badass broad. Mm-hmm. I think the kid calls her a broad. Yeah. Um, I wish that word would come back. Yeah. I love broad. My grandma calls everyone a broad. Uh huh. I love it. So, um, I like her a lot in this. I'm happy she was nominated. I love Jenna Rollins. Considering my favorite performance of her doesn't get nominated, I'm glad she got this one. Opening night. Yeah. 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 We. I forgot. I think I forgot to mention it in that that episode. Yeah. But um, say it now. Oh. I, mean, I, I guess I just did. My, <laughs> I know everyone goes to Woman Under the Influence, and that is a remarkable performance. It's a great performance. Yeah, nothing... I'm so glad she got nominated. I see, I see why people consider it the best performance of all time. But there's something about the opening night performance that just captivates me a little bit more. I'm a little yeah. bit more interested in that character. I want to peel back all those layers. Yeah. Um, so she does not get nominated for that performance and then what three years later she gets gloria and so i'm the, here for it that's a whole the fact that jenna rollins only has two nominations and never won a competitive oscar is very odd to me yeah. especially when i think of like the skeleton key or even I, I'm, I'm gonna that say that was the first general rollins movie same. i think i've ever seen i, I saw it theater too yeah. yeah um i'll even say the notebook i think she's heartbreaking mm, in the notebook sure. she's a supporting actress but like jenna rollins i know she's like up there now but i would love for her to Make an Oscars comeback. Oh, yeah. I could see her getting a really juicy supporting role. Yeah. And just slaying the and entire I year. I saying that, though, about older women when we go to automatic support. I'm not, I agree. No, no, I'm not putting that on you. I, I've said it. Because there are so many roles that could be made, oh, even yeah. from theater, that have older women oh, yeah. of like, all like colors I know we've and said, sizes. And... Like we've said, we want Glenda Jackson to come back and get her third lead actress Oscar. And I... It would, like, make my wildest dreams come true. Mm-hmm. However, we live in a world where supporting it makes more sense yeah, for older women. And those roles exist, yep. and they win Oscars, oh. but the lead ones do, too. They're just not getting produced. Right, right. Um, so, moving on, we have our winner of that year, Sissy Spacek, as Loretta Lynn in Coal Miner's Daughter. This is Sissy's second of six nominations. Um, we first saw her in Carrie. And then this, uh, in 1976, this was her second. It would be followed by The River, Crimes of the Heart. Um, what am I missing? I just drew a blank. Oh, In the Bedroom? Yes. What, hold on. That's one, two, three, four. Crimes of the Heart, The River. I'm missing one. It's not coming to me right now. Yeah. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Um, we're prepared. I'm prepared. Let me just put the blame there. Um, anyway, going into this, she had the Golden Globe win for comedy or musical, the BAFTA nomination for actress, the Los Angeles Film Critic, National Board Review, National Society Film Critic, and the New York Film Critic Circle Award wins for Best Actress. Um, in Coal Miner's Daughter, Sissy Spacek again plays Loretta Lynn, and this is pretty much the uh, full... Oh, Missing, 1982. Oh, right. Yeah, missing. everyone always forgets. I mean, everyone always forgets that one. Yeah. But, um... Anyway, in uh, Commander's Daughter, she, it's the story of Loretta Lynn. Mm-hmm. That's just, you sum it up that way. The, it's the story singer. of country star Loretta Lynn from early childhood in Tennessee all the way to the big stage. Mm-hmm. What do you think of Sissy Space Kid? 
Um, I like her in this. Um, it's definitely a vehicle for Sissy Spacek. Uh -huh. um, usually that is kind of a turnoff for me. I don't know. It's just a weird pet. You've peeve. said that before. Yeah, it's yeah. just a weird pet peeve that I have. If something looks like a a, a star, not a, she was already a star at this point, but mm -hmm. a star making Oscar winning Beatty vehicle, I'm just kind of like eh, right from the beginning. Yeah. Um, but looking at the performance itself, I I really like her in it. Um, Tommy Lee Jones is a dick <laughs> in this movie, and any time she was standing up to him, I was completely on her side. I'm surprised he didn't get a nomination for this. He had a Golden Globe nomination. Yeah, I could have seen him getting one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was on her side the whole time. I think she's great also in the scenes with Beverly D'Angelo, plays uh, Patsy Cline. Who, did, who got the Golden Globe nomination but lost out on an actress nomination? I would love actress. to have seen her in this That scene. is what I meant with, like, I'm going to use Diana Scarwood for the example because yeah. she got nothing as a precursor. What was her campaign like to beat no out Beverly D'Angelo? Was she just a well-liked person? I don't know. But she yeah, was brand new at film. Beverly D'Angelo was definitely worthy of a nomination. Yeah. And her scenes with Sissy Spacek are great because at this time, Patsy Klein had already been established. Yes. Loretta came in later. Mm-hmm. Um, with her stuff on the radio and at the Grand Ole Opry, which she performed at like many times. I didn't realize apparently that was a huge thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know too much about country from that era. So I didn't know a lot going into this. Like I had seen the Jessica Lang Patsy Klein film. That's about Sweet all the dreams. that's about all the knowledge I had. We'll, we'll talk about that in five. Right. Yep. Right. So oh, speaking of Beverly D'Angelo, I forgot to mention this with Kathy Moriarty. Beverly D'Angelo was up for that role too. Really? She was up for um Vicky and Raging Bull and Patsy Klein and Coal Miners Daughter, and she could only take one of them. They mm. shot at the same time, and she couldn't do both. And she. I think she made the right decision. I think so I too. Uh, see, Kathy is Kathy is Vicky. Mm -hmm. Beverly would not have worked for me in that role. I think so. I would love to have seen her in it, but I think just like picturing it, yeah. I I picture Kathy. I wonder if she regretted that after the nominations came out. I don't know. I would have. I've been pissed. Yeah. Well, she should have been nominated for Coleman's daughter, have been. so that's not her fault. Yeah. But um, yeah. But back to Sissy, I guess, because that's who was nominated. Actually, we're getting so sidetracked today. Um, yeah. I think she's great. I don't. Did she? She do her own singing for this? Because yeah. I think her singing was good. Yeah. I bought it. Yeah. She didn't um, lip sync it. Oh yeah. I didn't it. Oh yeah. So how do you feel about Sissy Space like in Coleman's daughter? I think she's good. Um. It's funny, though, because I'm more interested in Beverly D'Angelo in this film than I am Sissy. Maybe that's why they got sidetracked. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think this is the best Sissy Spacek performance, though. I don't think so, either. I, I find this very odd that this is the one that she won for, mm -hmm. but I don't hate it. I, I definitely don't hate this. Um, looking, I just, like, looking at it through the lens of 2019, yeah. seeing everything that she would do. Yeah. I mean, I... I I don't buy. I didn't buy her as really, really young Loretta Lynn. I bought her as yeah. older Loretta Lynn. Now, however, I will say I'm not thrilled about this movie in general, and I shouldn't say the movie, the performance in general, because we saw the same performance before. From Sissy Spacek? No, from Ronnie Blakely in oh. Nashville, because that there was based of off of, Ronnie, of Loretta Lynn, right? Yeah, that occurred to me while I was watching it. So I don't think Ronnie would have. I mean, I think Ronnie would have done anything, you know, but I don't, and oh, that sounded shady. Um, didn't mean that to be shady whatsoever. But I, I definitely wonder if Ronnie Blakely would have done this because she already did this role in Nashville. And I think mm -hmm. she does it a lot better than Sissy's basic. Yeah, I find the, the Ronnie Blakely character in Nashville more interesting. Yeah, Barbara Jean. Yeah. 
Um, I think what Sissy Spacek kind of had going for her, and I think this is true among all the lead performers, she's the only one who's playing a real person, right? Yes. None of these other characters nominated for a lead are a real figure. Well, in actress. Yeah. Because obviously Jake LaMotta. I I mean of the lead actresses, yes. Yeah. And of course, Vicky LaMotta is real, but she's in the supporting category. Right. So, and you know, the Oscars love their biopics. They do. And Coal Miner's Daughter does get a Best Picture nomination, if I recall. So that probably was also working in her favor. Yeah. Because that always seems to help. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate it, but I'm not, like, over the moon for it. Yeah, like, I'm happy for Sissy. Yeah. Um, I love Sissy Space, like, of course, but yeah, this isn't my favorite performance of hers. If I had to pick a performance to give it to her, looking at it through today's lens, I would not go for Coal Miner's Daughter. Same. Yeah. Same. All right, moving on. We had Ellen Burstyn as Edna in Resurrection. This is Ellen's fifth of six nominations. We saw her in the 70s with Last Picture Show, The Exorcist, her win for Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. Same time next year, this, and then she wouldn't get another nomination for 20 years until Requiem for a Dream. Uh, going into Oscar night, all she had was a Golden Globe nomination for drama. Now, girl, we, I'm finna spill some tea Okay. when we when I talk about this. Um, we talked about it a little bit already with Resurrection when we talked about Eva Le Gallienne. But in Resurrection, Ellen plays a woman who, after a near-death fatal accident, um, is brought back with unearthly power to heal the sick and heal um, the almost dead. With her hands. With her hands. Now, this movie, her character is actually, actually, now I'm actually correcting you, is based off of a real person who healed Martin Scorsese of his asthma. Okay. So, let me, uh, in a way, I guess it... So, it's inspired by a real person, but it's not necessarily a a biographical film. Yes. Um, So, what do you think about Ellen Burstyn in Resurrection? Um, so, I th- like I said earlier, I'm not a huge fan of this movie. Mm-hmm. I think this is another performance like Mary Steenburgen, where she's doing a lot with not very much. Mm-hmm. I think this is an underwritten character. I think she's giving it a lot of heart, and she's doing her Ellen Burstyn thing. Yeah. And really turning this into a star role. Mm-hmm. But I don't find the character very interesting. I find the movie kind of silly, a little hokey. Um of course, love Ellen. Happy for the nomination, but um, I was not wowed by her. Yeah. For this, after this performance. So I really like Ellen Burson in Resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, I I buy it. I, I buy this character she's trying to sell us. Um, I also feel her pain with her father. I think mm-hmm. that goes into like my pain with my mother. Yeah. Um, which is funny because we'll have to talk about a mom again here next with Mary Tyler Moore. But, um, yeah, I'd like it. I, I think it was something different for Ellen. Um, unfortunately, though, this was the second bomb that she had after the same time next year. And this is one of the two movies that kind of derailed her. And this is where I'm going to spill some tea. So there is an interview online. It's a written interview. I think I might have sent it to you, actually. Yeah, there's a... I think it's a video on YouTube. No, this one was a, okay. an article. This one okay. was an article where... Um, so Ellen and Sissy were both in Universal movies. and. Sure. Ellen, Ellen, like, campaigned for this movie when it came out. She would, like, really push it, and then it bombed. And then so Universal, she says to, I'm not going to name names in the, or in the interview, she said, I'm not going to name names, but Universal had a movie that was more success. So when it came time to campaigning for the Oscar, Universal put all of their money into Coal Miner's Daughter. And mm-hmm. she goes, it worked because that woman won an Oscar. Yeah. And I'm like, Whew. Shade. Ooh, she wanted that Oscar. She wanted that second Oscar so bad. And I think she's really good in this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But yeah, Alan Burson is not a fan of Sissy Spacex in Coal Miner's Daughter. Hmm. But yeah, um, it works for me. Yeah. I can see why Universal would put more money behind Coal Miner's Daughter. Well, it was it's, a bigger success. It's a, well, it was a true story about a person people knew. Yeah. I, I think it's a better made film overall. I think it... I don't know. I think they're both on par with the way they're made. I, but maybe story... Are you saying story-wise, Coal Miner's Daughter is better or just... The whole movie. The whole movie. Okay. I think the direction of Resurrection is kind of lacking. I think the sto- the script is really lacking. The whole, like, religious thing didn't really come to become anything. Mm-hmm. Like, when those people are accusing her of, I don't know, being, like, the devil or something. I Or whatever it was they were accusing Sam her Sam Shepard's a mess in that movie. Yeah. I just... I wanted that to sort of come to fruition in some kind of way, and it just felt like this weird monkey wrench thing you know what would have been a great take on this is putting this movie into like the Salem Witch Trial days mm. that would have been cool hmm, that'd be interesting right yeah I just I feel like the script was lacking uh, I think El, um, Ellen and Eva are doing all the work yeah I think the direction's really kind of poor overall understood but uh yeah I, I can see why Universal would put their money in Coal Miner's Daughter it makes a lot of sense from from a financial standpoint from like, yes. yeah, from like a business point it yeah. makes sense understood um, anything else you want to add for now? No. All right. Our final nomination that year came from Mary Tyler Moore as Beth in Ordinary People. This was Mary Tyler Moore's sole nomination. Going to Oscar night, she won the Golden Globe for Best Actress Drama and the BAFTA nomination for Lead Actress. Um, if there was going to be an upset on Oscar night, it was going to come from Mary Tyler Moore as Sissy Spacek won everything. Um, in Ordinary People, Mary Tyler Moore... <laughs> Sorry, I'll get to why I'm laughing in a second. Mary Tyler Moore uh, plays a grieving mother of a son who she blames for the death of her other son. Yeah. And while her husband, played by Donald Sutherland, is caught in the middle, she bitch knows how to hold a grudge. Mm. And she doesn't express it in the best ways through love and through body and through anything really so what do you think about mary tyler moore in ordinary people i really like her in this Mm -hmm. um this is a performance that has a lot of resonance i think it's also a really cold performance in a very good way Mm -hmm. um it's also a really interesting role to see mary tyler moore in who had been known for tv comedy yeah so this was very unusual for her at least most people didn't know her for this um I find this character very fascinating. This concept that she can be grieving so deeply for one child that she's unable to fully love the other and that she, as a mother, would blame her one child for the death of the other and that she, in a weird, sick way, I got this sense that she wished it had been reversed. Yeah, that yeah. she wished that Timothy Hutton had died. If she, if it had to be one, I feel like she would wish that it had gone the other way. Yeah. And I find that so sick and so interesting. Yeah. Um, this is a hard movie to watch. Yeah. It's not easy whatsoever. Um, it is... I think for me, it goes to the pain of what I've been through. Mm-hmm. I have not been in the same situation, sure. but I think dealing with um, an unstable mother mm-hmm. is the best way to put that. Um, it, it's, 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 it's heartbreaking, to be honest with you. Um, 
I almost find myself annoyed with the Beth character because she puts the blame on Timothy Hutton's character. Um, as a movie, though, like as a whole, it doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, to be honest, I think it's one of the worst. I wouldn't say one of the worst, but it's not a good Best Picture winner. In my oh, opinion. I like it. I'm a fan of it. I, I can't when you have Raging Bull and Tess right there. I've never seen Tess, but I would vote for Ordinary People over Raging Bull. Well, you also I also love boxing movies. You don't like sport yeah. movies. So. Something I, well, here's an interesting compromise. Mm-hmm. I would give Best Director to Martin Scorsese, but I'd still give Picture to Ordinary People. Because I think, I think Raging Bull is a much better directed film. It's more of a technical achievement. There's more mm-hmm. craftsmanship at Best Picture. Also, I'm an sort of an actor person like when i watch movies like i like character more than story and this movie ordinary people gives you so many interesting characters so you must not be a fan of the tree of life then because that is a movie oh, about no, story oh, it's one of my favorite movies I, I couldn't stand it when i watched it i've only seen it once but back when it came out and it was up at the oscars and it was not for me uh, i i understand why people love it it's just not my thing it, it was my favorite movie of 2011 yeah uh, but anyway to get back to this uh yeah i mean i think i think it works i think mary tyler moore sells it um, but as a film, it's not, again, my favorite, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't have any big complaints about it. Mm-hmm. So do you want to add anything else? Um, I mean, not a whole lot. I mean, I, I think I've said pretty much everything. I didn't have any, I don't have any specific scenes in mind, I just, except for like in the very beginning, you get this impression for where she is mentally, where they're having like breakfast mm-hmm. and the, uh, the Timothy Hutton character, whose name I can't remember right now, uh, a comrade. Mm. he's not hungry or something and Mary Tyler Moore has just made French toast. You can't warm up French toast. And she's, if she's like, if you're not going to eat it now, it's going down the garbage disposal. And she's like, shoves this perfectly fine French toast down the garbage disposal because she just can't handle it. I don't know. Uh, for some reason that scene randomly sticks out in my mind. I know there's so much more. Like there's the scene in the backyard where she's like trying to reconnect with him. Or like the golf. The oh. golf. Right, where they're off on their scene. they're on their golf trip with yeah. that other couple, and uh, Donald Sutherland tries to get her to snap back to reality, and she's in Not, her she's in her own reality. She, you know. Do you think that if Mary Tyler Moore married and divorced Stephen Tyler, then married and divorced Michael Moore, and they got into a three uh, three way lesbian relationship with Demi Moore and Mandy Moore, do you think she would go by the name Mary Tyler Moore, Tyler Moore, Moore, Moore? I would hope so. <laughs> That's why I was laughing. Yeah. I was doing that. I just want to hear that name read at the Oscars. Like if she had been nominated under that name. <laughs> uh, and, and the Oscar goes to. <laughs> Mary Tyler Moore, Tyler Moore, Moore, Moore. Uh, that's why I was laughing. Yeah. That, that, that's the shit that goes through my head. But also, too, it's a joke from one of my favorite TV shows, mm-hmm. um, which was Happy Endings on ABC oh, like from a couple show. years ago. Uh, Max, the gay character, mm-hmm. randomly says it the one day, and it's been stuck in my head ever since. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was laughing. Shall we get to our rankings? Uh, sure. Let me just pull those out really quick. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I don't I even didn't... know where I put my fucking ranking pad. So, shall you start then for supporting? Sure. So my number five spot goes to Diana Scarwood for Inside Moves. Um, it's just not a very interesting performance in a very bad movie. So... I don't understand the nomination, and that's uh, why she's getting my five. My five is Mary Steenburgen, because she is the fucking lead. Number one, it is category fraud. And number two, she just doesn't do anything for me here. Mm -hmm. Well, my number four is going to Mary Steenburgen. I'm not entirely convinced that she's the lead, but I could see how she could be straddling that line. Um, I think she's doing a lot of the work, but it's another movie that I just wasn't very invested in. And um, yeah, she gets my four. 
Um, my number four is actually Kathy Moriarty. Um, I love her in this, but I need something else from her. Mm-hmm. Um, she, this performance is definitely like, I forget that she's acting type of performance, but mm-hmm. I, I, I understand why she didn't win here. Sure. So. Well, my number three goes to Kathy Moriarty. Mm-hmm. Um, I like her for what she's doing. I think she's another example of the actress doing the bulk of the work. Um, yeah, Martin Scorsese wasn't too great with his female characters. Um, but I'm glad she got nominated. I think she does really well with what she's got. But, um, yeah, she's going to get my three, though. Heard. Um, my third is actually going to Eileen Brennan. Um, she is the best part about Private Benjamin for me. Um, but I feel like there was no closure for her character. And I was just like, I was left like, where the fuck is she? Um, which is not her fault. Um, I think she's great in it, but this isn't the type of comedic performance where I'm just like, hats off, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's good. I, I'm glad she got a nomination somewhere. I can't believe she, that this was her only one, but not giving it to her for this year. Mm-hmm. So what about you? Uh, my number two goes to Eva from Resurrection. I'm giving the win to Eileen Brennan. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Eva's doing wonderful in Wonderful work in Resurrection. I believe this character. Um, I totally bought that she was Grandma Pearl. Um, but Eileen Brennan kind of steals Private Benjamin for me. I wish there was more of her. I wish her character had more closure at the end, like you were saying. Um, I don't think the movie quite does her character justice. However, she creates a really beautiful character. And um, I just love Eileen Brennan. And so I'm giving her the recognition for the year by awarding her the Best Supporting Actress Oscar. Heard, heard. Um, my runner-up for 1980 supporting actress is actually Diana Scarwood, which means I'm giving Eva Legallian the Oscar here. Um, starting with Scarwood, I kind of have to. She sells that scene that I mentioned. I also, too, like I said, I was with... We agreed there. Like, the first viewing of this, I'm like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. Um, second viewing, though, it literally took the second viewing for me to be like, oh, there it is. Like, she's mm. really good in that stretch of, like, eight minutes that she's on screen. Everything else around it isn't great, which is kind of weird while I'm putting her so high. Mm. But I think she does so well in those, like, eight minutes that it kind of is like, well, just fuck everything else. Um, I think she's good where she's good and she's bad where she's bad. So Mm. I got to put her in second because I honestly feel like had that scene gone more or had the whole thing been better, she would have won here for me. Um, But that one scene really sells me on her. Mm -hmm. Um... But even Galian kills me as Grandma Pearl. Um, it's heartbreaking. I find my own love for my own grandmother there. Um, it's a goddamn dirty shame that she never got any other nomination. And yeah, I gotta give it to Eva. She she she's she's a goddess in this movie. I mm-hmm. dig it. So okay, I'm giving it to Eva Galian. Cool. All right, so just to recap, uh, Goldie Hawn, Jenna Rowland, Sissy Spacek, Ellen Burstyn, and Mary Tyler Moore are our lead actresses. Um, My fifth spot is actually going to go to Goldie Hawn. Okay. Um, She's good where she's good. She, but I don't know. There's, I'm not buying it. Mm -hmm. I'm not buying it because she's, I've seen her do so much better, so much better work that I'm just like, I don't know. I can't. I can't. I can't do it. Yeah. Well, I'm giving my number five spot to Ellen Burstyn for Resurrection. Um, Mostly because I just don't care for this movie. I think it drags her down. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I think she does fine with what she has to work with, but overall I just find the character and the movie kind of cheesy, very like TV movie, meh. And even though I love Ellen Burstyn, glad she was nominated, especially since she wouldn't get nominated again for quite some time. Yeah. I just, when the movie was over, I didn't, I wasn't really thinking about Ellen's performance and it's not because she was bad. It's just, I was just kind of like, whatever yeah. about it. So yeah. she gets my number five. Heard. Excuse me. Just like burped in your ear, guys. Um, my number four is going to the winner that year, and that's Sissy Spacek as Lorda Lynn in Coal Miner's Daughter. Again, I've seen Ronnie Blakely do it better. Mm. And the fact that the Academy would honor Sissy for doing the same character practically is kind of like a slap in the face, I think, to Ronnie. Um, I, Ronnie did it better. Yeah. So. I'm giving my number four slot to Goldie Hawn for Private Benjamin. Mm-hmm. I enjoy this movie. I'm glad that uh, Goldie Hawn and Nancy Myers were able to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Glad she was nominated. But um, Eileen Brennan kind of steals the show for me. And, um, you yeah, know, that last act with her character, I know, I know that's more of a story thing, but because she was so involved in this movie, it kind of just brings it down for me overall. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she gets my four. Uh, my number... F- wait... Three. Yeah, you're on three. <laughs> you're on three. <laughs> My number three is going to Mary Tyler Moore as Beth in Ordinary People. Um, she's good, but I have Ellen Burson and Jenna Rollins left for me, and they made more of an impression than for me as a whole performance than Mary Tyler Moore did. Um, it's good. It's it's. I like the change up from comedy actress to dramatic role. We'll see that again, um, most notably with Felicity Huffman in 05 for Transamerica. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, she's good, but the other two just do a lot more for me. Yeah. So my number three slot goes to Sissy Spacek for Coal Miner's Daughter. I believe her as Loretta. Um, although I think it's not quite as interesting of a performance as it could be. It's also that whole star vehicle thing that kind of just like gets to me. I don't know what it is, but it's just a thing that I see and I'm like, oh, this movie was designed (laughs) for you to win an Oscar. Yeah. Next. And that's just a weird thing with me. So, yeah, she gets my three spot. Heard, heard. Well, again, I have Jenna Rollins and Ellen Burstyn left. Um, My runner-up that year is going to be Jenna Rollins, which means I'm giving the Oscar to Ellen Burstyn for Resurrection. Um, So I'm rewarding both Resurrection ladies. Mm -hmm. Um, Jenna is perfect as the sharp-tongued, hard New Yorker that I need. Um, and this is actually out of the two performances, I've rewarded Jenna Rollins both the runner up spot. Oh, yeah. So I did the same for A Woman Under the Influence compared to Diane Carroll and Claudine. Um, but Ellen Burstyn, I, I really like Resurrection. Um, this is the second Oscar that I'm giving her post The Exorcist. And uh, yeah, I, she sells Edna to me. The story, is, the story is really intriguing. I'm not a huge fan of the religious. I'm not a huge fan of religion. Let me yeah. try to phrase that right. Um, but I think I think it's a great concept. And uh, and the whole, like, she gives me everything from, like, you know, sexy starlet almost. Not starlet, but, like, sex kitten of a character in the beginning. And then mm-hmm. does a whole 180 to, to guilt survivor. And it works for me. I like it. Mm-hmm. So what about you? So my runner-up uh, for the year is Jenna Rollins for Gloria, and I'm giving the win to Mary Tyler Moore for Ordinary People. Heard. Uh, love Jenna Rollins and Gloria. It's such a fun, badass, broad performance. I love when she's. I love that she's just walking around New York just shooting gangsters. Yeah. And she has this little spunky kid who, who tells her whatever the hell he wants. Yeah. And even though I, I wanted to slap him a little bit, 
Um, I really liked her relationship with him. Uh-huh. Um, and I just love Jenna Rollins. And in my mind, her Oscar was for opening night, so I'm okay with not giving it to her for Gloria. But Mary Tyler Moore has this presence. I, when I finish Ordinary People, I'm left with this... I'm haunted by her presence. Mm-hmm. I'm like struggling to put it into words because I find it so complex. Mm-hmm. She's like the most interesting character in that movie to me. And um, I just find the design of Beth fascinating. Yeah. This like really troubled mother who is having so many difficulties processing her feelings that she's, that it's turning her into a bit of a monster. Yeah. And I just find it just, beautiful so yeah i'm giving the win to mary tyler moore yeah i mean the the lead actresses this year overall like weren't like terrible no it was the supporting the supporting was rough and i I forgot to mention interesting thing about the supporting lineup this was everyone's first and only nomination yeah never been i don't think it's ever been like that ever since i know in 1971 we had everyone had their first but many of them would go on to be nominated again margaret on bursting right but in 1980 this was everyone's first well mary Mary Steenburgen won, but taking out that win, this is her only time at the Oscars. So, Galliana is gone. Uh, Brennan is gone. Scarwood retired in 2011, but could always come back. Mary's still around. Mary's still Kathy's around. Kathy's still acting. around. Kathy's still around. So, it's... They could come back. You never know what happens. Like, you never truly know what could happen. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Um... This was, uh, I gotta say, this was kind of an underwhelming year to start off with for this yeah, season I was, two. I had that going in my head when we were in the supporting half. I was like, wow, this, this episode's not very lively. And no. I, and partially because I felt like the lineup is kind of underwhelming. And yeah. I think we tried to make it really interesting, but I don't know, maybe we didn't. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's funny thinking about like when we did the pilot, because, you know, we started with 1970. You know, it was we were definitely finding our voice, but like the movies, we were like, "Oh, Airport, Mash, what are these movies?" We kind of like making fun of it. This one was like, uh, mm-hmm. okay, like, but yeah, I think it's, it was a, uh, you know, I think Mary Tyler Moore, Tyler Moore, Moore is a great, great choice for you. Mm-hmm. Um, did you expect mine for either of them? Um, I had a feeling about Ellen because I think you had mentioned once that you really like this movie. Yeah, I didn't know how you felt about Eva, but I did have a feeling. Ellen was either going to be your winner or your runner-up. I just had, like, a feeling. So I totally expected your Eileen Brennan to be um, your winner there. I wasn't sure where you were going exactly with uh, lead. I honestly thought you would have probably gone with Sissy or Jenna. Mm. Um, But, yeah, so you definitely took me by surprise there with Mary Tyler Moore. But you are, like, there is a majority for Mary Tyler Moore people out there here. I am one of the few for Ellen Burstyn in this Mm -hmm. movie. Also, do I feel like Resurrection, again, isn't very commonly seen. So... I still think if people saw it, they would still be for Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely a minority in there, but you know what? My whole life is a minority, so I'm mm-hmm. here for it. Um, but yeah, this has been fun. Yeah, it's been a good uh, good time. Yes, for sure. Um, I want to give a shout out to, I mean, this will be out way later, but um, there is a uh, gay podcast uh, by the name of The Gayverts mm-hmm. um, that gave us a nice little shout out on their episode two yesterday. Um, we're recording this on April 4th, so theirs came out on the 3rd. Um, so thank you guys for that. We love supporting you and bring out the great content still. Um, is there anything else you want to add? Um, I don't think so. Okay. All right. Uh, all righty. So my name is, I forgot my fucking name. I'm Joe Gentile. I'm Brandon Stanwick. And this has been Academy Queens, your LGBT guide for the Academy Awards per decade per category in today's episode for the premiere of season two, 1980. I'm going to make one, two, three. Goodbye. Ready? One, two, three. Bye. Bye.